Welcome to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. This week's guest is Heath. Heath is a musician and music producer from Austin, Texas, and also a huge Souls fan. We sit down and talk about all things Souls, including like a search for authenticity inside the games and as well as in real life, and how all of these games has affected him and his relationship with games in general. It's a great episode, and I think you'll enjoy it. Remember, if you'd like to reach out to me and talk, go to don'tgiveupskeleton.com slash contact, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks. Why don't you tell me about the first time that you played a Souls game, or what was that first game, first Souls game that you played? Uh, the first Souls game I played was uh, the original Dark Souls. Um, I had uh, it was it was probably I came to Souls kind of later, um, probably around 2014. Uh, I had gotten really big, <clears throat> excuse me, gotten really big into Dragon's Dogma. Did you ever play that? I played it. That's man, I, like I played it for a little bit, but it's it's one of the victims of Soulsitis for me. Like I, I was playing it, and I was like, "Why am I not just invading people in Dark Souls instead of playing this?" So I didn't. I never. <laughs> I didn't really give it an honest shot. And it's one of those that like um, CJ from Twin Humanities is talking up, and everyone who knows me is like, "You would you would totally like this game if you just gave it more than thirty minutes." And I was like, "Yeah, I probably should." I keep waiting because they they released the PC thing, the remaster on PC, and they I keep waiting for him to do it on PS4, and it just hasn't come out yet. So that's your primary system is PS4? Pretty much, man. Right on, same here. Same here. So, but um, I had been playing Dragon's Dogma and I, I, I beat it a couple of different times. And, uh, you know, I don't know if anybody's mentioned it to you, but it was the first game it, of the current, or I guess the previous generation that really made boss fights feel epic again. Mm-hmm. Like there was, I, was, I had just been playing the game for like 20 minutes and had encountered uh, a Cyclops and then, I had a party of like me and two others and then got, we, we, we stumbled onto a dragon during that battle. So it ended up being like a four hour battle and it just blew my <laughs> mind. You know I mean? It was like, it was like, wow, this is awesome. So I just played that. And then I'm a huge mass effect fanboy. I mean, mm-hmm. I know most folks really don't care for the ending for three. I think it was really the only way that the, that the journey could end. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had, I had really finished, I had just finished Mass Effect 3 and I was really kind of down, you know, I was like, man, I, I, this, this journey's come to the end. I'm, I'm ready for another journey now. And I, had, uh, I'm, I'm still one of the nerds that goes to GameStop. Um, <laughs> so, um, I had, uh, I was talking to the guys at my local GameStop are super helpful and I was talking with them about it and, you know, I was looking for story and, he said, dude, you, you got to try Dark Souls. And they had tried to recommend it several times previously. And I, I just, based off of the the quick critiques I had read on the internet, you know, the elevator pitches and stuff like that on it, it uh, I had shied away from it just because it seemed like a really big grind fest. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, there was literally it, there was literally nothing else that even remotely uh, piqued my interest. And so. Uh, yeah, I, I ended up picking up Dark Souls used for like twelve bucks, I think, or something like that. Okay. And um, that was yeah, uh, you know, what, like when when was that? Was that like twenty eleven when it was released, or a little bit? Obviously, no, was, so twenty bucks would probably be like late twenty twelve like, or something. No, it was actually like twenty four, uh, late twenty thirteen or early twenty fourteen. Oh, okay, other. cool. I, yeah, I came to it pretty late. And um, I mean, you know, I played through it, and of course, like everybody else, right? I bounced off of it. Um, and, uh, the only, at the time, the only online community that I, that I read 
regularly participated in was MMA.tv. Uh, they've since changed their name to MixedMartialArts.com. But it's, it's, it's a really cool site. They have uh, the Underground Forum, and it's like fighters uh, post on there. I mean, it would be like if Tom Brady or Roger Goodell posted on NFL.com, you know, the, within the fan forum. So it's, it's, it's a real cool community because the MMA community initially started out as, as, a, as a pretty small, tight-knit community. It's obviously grown exponentially since, you know, the UFC and WME, IMG acquiring it and all of that stuff. Man, like, but, in a, like around – Probably 2000, 2001, we had a buddy that we called Hardcore Chris number two because we already had one Hardcore Chris in our group. And um, <laughs> he was like the first person that I ever met that was really into the UFC stuff and like was like he would make he had like VHS copies of fights of all these UFC fights and stuff that of all these like, you know, the old school like Brazilian jiu jitsu guys that were like and would hand these like tapes out to everybody like, man, you have to watch this and like would come over and drink beer with us and like like okay clear clear out the coffee table like i'm gonna show you how to do an arm bar <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> it was weird like knowing it from that dude and then like all of a sudden it just completely blowing up like four or five years later and being everywhere like you can't go to a bar now without seeing a, a ufc fight so yeah exactly and and it's like so you, you had exposure to how tight-knit that community was right mm-hmm. it's that that's one thing i love about souls communities it reminds me of the early mma community when you know, I was tape trading with people across the country or tape trading with people in Brazil, literally like your buddy with VHS, we would just trade tapes, you know, oh man, I just saw this regional show. You got to check these guys out. And, you know, seeing the stars of tomorrow, literally on handheld VHS and stuff like that. Um, but it's it's interesting. I would have never, I would have never in a million years put this together. Uh, but like, it's like the early days of that MMA stuff, like remembering it from hardcore Chris number two, like, that's very much speaks to like how demon souls and dark souls one kind of started as a community, like just a very tight knit group of people trying to figure all this stuff out. And like, did you see the such and such? And Oh my God, did you know about this such and such and this thing and that thing? I would have never in a million years thought that there was overlap between the MMA community and dark souls. (laughs) (laughs) So that's pretty, that's kind of interesting though. I kind of dig that. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. And it, it, again, it's a tight, tight knit community where, for the for the vast for the largest part of it, everybody just wants more of this thing, and and however we can get more of this thing, whether it's like you and I talking about it, or listening to someone else, or no no kidding, the way I go to sleep at night, my wife hates it, is um, I have my iPad by my bed, and I'll just put on like an E and B playlist on YouTube, or put on like an Aegon of Astora playlist on YouTube, or put on one of your playlists. And just and and just watch that until I fall asleep instead of falling asleep <laughs> watching the TV. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, it, it's such a cool phenomenon that everybody wants to, uh, that the people that are crazy passionate about it want to um, want to access it however they can. They, it, it, it's it's something that in, in my day job, um, we do really kind of groundbreaking research on generational um, generational trends and stuff like that. And um one thing that we found across all generations that, you know, so many big Fortune 500 brands are trying to trying to replicate, and then others do it, you know, just naturally is authenticity. And it's not just authenticity of product or authenticity of marketing; it's an authenticity of experience because people demand to to, to experience things now. You can, it's not just enough to have a great game. What's the experience that comes along to it? And I mean or comes along with it and, and dark souls and, and, you know, demon souls, bloodborne, all of that. It, it does it unlike anything else. It's, it's something that's truly authentic because you play such a large part in it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting that, because I know when I started playing souls that I was like, 
I got incredibly into it. Like I wanted to do nothing but consume all of the Dark Souls media that I could possibly find, like YouTube videos, weird, um, you know, Twitch streams and things like that. The other night, uh, I was like looking through Twitch, and one of the Twitch guys that I had followed like a long time ago that I hadn't really been keeping up with this guy, um, SFC Spades, I think it was his Twitch name. I might I might have that wrong, but uh, he was just streaming Dark Souls One PvP, like. Just like Ulaseal Township bonfire, like min max to hell and back, like a complete like I mean, it just you know, like doing ring swaps during parries and like just this old school Dark Souls one PvP stuff. And I it just I, I could not believe that I was nostalgic, like watching this Twitch stream of Dark Souls one. But back then, like when I got into it, I got into it hard. I fell way way into it. All I did was watch Dark Souls videos. Like that was my whole that everything. Like that I, I didn't have a YouTube. Like I didn't, I didn't like go to YouTube for to watch videos a whole lot until I started watching Dark Souls videos. <laughs> that was how this encompassing it is. Yeah, that that's literally the story for me. Um, I would occasionally go in and see if I could find old MMA fights on YouTube before the UFC got really crazy, before Zufa got really crazy about their intellectual content, but um, or intellectual copyrights. But uh, yeah, I mean that's now YouTube is my primary, my primary entertainment vehicle. And it's primarily to watch Soulsborne stuff. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I, I, and I find myself like I've gotten away from that. Um, with dark souls three, I just don't spend as much time researching it. And I'm not sure if it's because it's become such a massive thing that you have videos about what was the one that I saw today or saw this week that Gary posted about, um, all of the enemies being in like a four, four time signature or something like it just, it, it just goes way, way beyond the pale of what I'm like really looking for for these videos. So I, I don't do it now, but man, back then that was all I would watch. It was so good. <laughs> that authenticity and experience that you mentioned is, is also kind of interesting to me as well. Like when you, obviously you said you bounced off the, the game for the first time, how far into it did you get before? Like how long did it take you to get to that authenticity of experience and dark souls one? Well, it, it's funny. So I, I had posted the thread on MMA.TV and, um, you know, I, the, I think the title of the thread was Dark, Does Dark Souls Ever Become Enjoyable? <laughs> and, and you know, it, it was it, it was and I, I look back on it now and I was like I was I was honestly a little butthurt, but I was I was too egoic to admit that I was a little butthurt that the game that I wasn't able to really grasp what the game was. And I know that sounds man, that sounds so try hard, right? You know, I wasn't able to grasp how complex this was, but I, that, that's really the, the depths of layers behind it are just untold. We're still figuring out stuff about DS1 today. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so uh, a bunch of folks had said, give it some time, go back. Those are just growing pains you're feeling. And I, I, had, I had only gotten into like the, the undead berg and I kept bouncing off the black knight in the undead berg. And I was like, man, this is this is this is nonsense. It's just total nonsense. But then and I don't know why it was, but there was a moment of truth that I stepped back and cheesed him with a bow. <laughs> and and I was like, wait a minute, because in, in any other game that I've played, I've, I've always I, I've always tried to, you know, kind of play with it, not, not within the rules, but not not to cheat myself out of out of some sort of experience by, you know, using any sort of cheat codes or any sort mm-hmm. of uh, God modes or, you know, cheesing the game in any sort of 
clipping or anything like that. Like the but moment then, that I found a like a trainer for Diablo two was the moment that I stopped playing Diablo two. Like that was just not the it was not the experience anymore because I could just give myself whatever I wanted. So like that game became instantly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> instantly dead to me. So exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, but I cheesed the Black Knight, and I was like, wait a minute, the, this game is is this game operates under a different paradigm. It is going to be brutal and, 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 and brutal and unflinching to you. And it, it expects nothing less than the same in return. And so I don't know why, but at that moment it clicked and I just like completely fell in love with it and, uh, ran through and ended up playing through the game. And, um, and at the time as I was playing through it, I, I, I didn't use any walkthroughs or didn't use any, um, uh, didn't use any sort of uh, help videos or I didn't even really start looking at uh, online videos or uh, walkthroughs or anything like that, probably until about Bloodborne. Mm-hmm. But um, I just uh, once I got through and beat it, I was like, man, I, I feel like I missed so much. There's I understand this, but there are these giant gaps and the care with which they've put into this. I, I know that this isn't that this is uh, it's not an uh, it's not an oversight. Right. I, I know that that I've missed something. And it's so cool how it through the things unsaid. So one of my favorite songwriters is uh, Towns Van Zandt. Are you familiar with him at all? Mm-hmm. All right. So so it, Towns once said that he talks about um, uh, or that that so much more is said in the negative space than uh, than in the notes you actually play. And that that kind of rings true with Dark Souls to me as well. Right. There's so much more said in the negative space. And uh, I'm such a nerd. I'm getting chills when I said that out loud. How pathetic is that? <laughs> That's not pathetic at all, man. That's not pathetic at all. But um, so I uh, uh, so I knew that that if there was negative space, it was there for meaning, not not to leave giant gaps for me. So I knew I had missed something, and so I I, I went back and played the game immediately after I beat it. Literally, I I, I, I beat Gwen and didn't link the fire and walked out, and then. Uh, and then I, I uh, and then I immediately started a new game plus. And it, that's <laughs> I never do that on video games. Usually, I'll if I play through a game multiple times, it's usually I'll I'll give it you know a month or two to settle, and then I'll come back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe because there's not a lot out, or I'm too cheap to buy the new game that's hot, or whatever. But um, it, it, this was the first time, and and I went like all the way. I think I went all the way up to like new game plus five on that first character, just continuing to uncover pieces of the story and. Of course, with it's Dark Souls, so I didn't get a quarter of the story right, and it, it was funny because I had I was late to the party with Dark Souls, and I wasn't using online guides, and I hadn't looked at the community. I was like, man, I got to get more of this, and I bought the Arturius of the Abyss DLC, but I didn't know where it was. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Neither did anybody else. <laughs> yeah, so to, to, uh, that that makes me feel better because you know I I didn't know that anyone else didn't know, but I I. I uh, um, I, I, to this day, I've only played it through once, and that was after you know rehooking up my PS3 and going back through and playing through it again. Yeah, it's um, the I, I had that same experience with with Dark Souls. Like I started over in the middle of it. Uh, like I, it took me like sixty something hours to get it to in Orlando, and was got there and just decided this build sucks. <laughs> I'm not having any fun. <laughs> like I, I'm just I can't beat these silver knights to save my life. Like I got past the archers. Did not get past the Silver Knights. Like it was just struggling and struggling and struggling and started it over 
And even after playing through all the game again, and this time it took me like maybe five hours to get to Anne Orlando instead of 60, which was a pretty kind of mind blowing experience by itself. As soon as I finished it, I was like, yep, going right back into new game plus I got to get all these spells and I got to get all these yeah. weapons. I want to get all these achievements, <laughs> which was relatively rare for me. Like I don't, I don't do that with a, with very many video games. So. Yeah, exactly. Same here. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned your build. Obviously, my first build was garbage, right? You know, because it, I tried to play it like I had played every other uh, RPG or action RPG in the past of, well, maybe I'll want to use magic or may, may, maybe maybe I'll do some some maybe I need to heal myself from time to time with this spell or, you know, it, I think it would be cool to, to have some fast weapons as well. So it was just, you know, the, the, the character was literally the most vanilla worst character ever um mm-hmm. until probably like in uh, new game plus three where you know it was just like, i just started stacking points into stuff and figuring out how the scaling worked and all of that good stuff there was a uh, episode four i think maybe episode eight i don't remember now but it was with uh, a lady named Catherine, and Catherine said that her first build was a jackass of all trades and that really really <laughs> spoke to me like <laughs> yeah I've, I've listened to that episode that's awesome yeah it's uh that's it's, it's, i think that's how every first build goes what, what, where did you go from, from Dark Souls? Like, if you finished Dark Souls and kept playing it, um, did you go through the series as a whole then? Did you go back to Demons? What, what was your next step? Yeah, I, I went to Demons, and I got to admit, I really liked Demons more than Dark. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I guess if I ranked them in order, my favorite would be Bloodborne, but then um, Demons would be number two. Um, just, I, I, I don't know what it was that spoke to me more about, about Demons. Um, I, I think because they had because it was the first time they were doing this model really all they had and I'll keep talking about this kind of um uh, uh this kind of uh abstract term of authenticity but you know the a lot, some of the mechanics weren't as good as they were in in subsequent uh subsequent versions or some of the you know um you could tell they were still trying trying to get their feet but i mean the the their sea legs on it but the thing that they held to the firmest was the authenticity of the experience and Man, Demons was, and I also I think what I really liked about it a lot was the hub world interconnected, uh, the hub world, mm-hmm. as opposed to the interconnected map, um, and that's what I liked at the time. Now thinking back on it later, I appreciate the inter- interconnected map of Dark Souls one more than Demons, but um, yeah, man, Demons I don't it was something about it just really hooked me even more than Dark Souls one did, and um, I. I just played through a ridiculous amount of times on demons. I think the world of demon souls, um, just lends itself to having more of a mysterious aspect to it. So like dark souls one is very mis- mysterious, but there's something about demon souls that feels almost otherworldly when you go into it in a way that dark souls one doesn't have, like I can picture dark souls one as being like that old, you know, medieval, fantasy setting but demon souls even though it starts off in a castle it just seems so everything from like <clears throat> the monumental to the uh the nexus like all of that stuff mm-hmm. just seems so weird and and interesting so the the world itself which i feel like is a little bit more mysterious even if it, the game doesn't quite deliver as much as dark souls one does on a mechanical levels in some ways but i, I know a lot of people that said, "Hey, Dark Souls, Demon Souls is my favorite game of the series." Period, because that was where it was they're most experimental. They were still trying to see what works versus a Dark Souls three, where they've pretty much figured everything out. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then I, I'm an old school AD and D second edition gamer from mm-hmm. back in the day, you know. And 
I, I kind of equate Demon Souls to more like the Planescape campaign setting, whereas Dark Souls is kind of like through the looking glass dark sun, right? Demon Souls doesn't seem quite post-apocalyptic to me, whereas Dark Souls, even though it's, it's, it's not dark sun, desert, and stuff like that, it's, it's still that post-apocalyptic fantasy setting. And I think that's the different piece here, exactly like what you're talking about, how, how ethereal almost everything is. Mm-hmm. Were you playing any? Were you doing any online playing at all? Like, were you summoning people or invading? I'm curious if the like whatever version you were playing, if the if servers were still populated by at that point. So, um, in in the uh, golly, what what area was it in Dark Souls One? I had an experience that completely turned me off the online play all the way up until Bloodborne. So um, it was, uh, I, I, I want to say it was the painted world, but that doesn't feel right. But I'll just say that for the sake of, of st- stopping uh, the rambling that I'm doing. Uh, I got invaded and it was the first time I had gotten invaded and I ended up beating the guy. And I was like, I was all proud of myself. And, and, and I got this crazy hate mail, dude, dude was dropping like racial epithets at me and, and, you know, calling me uh, uh, sexual orientation slurs and calling me a, a hacker and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, bro, I'm a newbie. You invaded my game and you lost and now you're salty? Come on. That sounds like Dark Souls 1, all right. <laughs> I know, right? And, and then I was just like, man, if this, if this is online, I'm not even worried about it. So I played offline all the way up through like my third uh, playthrough of Bloodborne. Then I started playing uh, uh, co-op runs in the Chalice Dungeons. Mm-hmm. And I... I know most folks hate the chalice dungeons, but it's an awesome arena for, uh, for co-op or PVP. Yeah. And, um, so I, I played, golly, I probably dropped a hundred hours of just co-oping ca- the chalice dungeons and the bloodborne. And then with dark souls three, I've beaten dark souls three, probably five times. I think I'm, uh, I'm only on like, I'm, I'm starting a bunch of new characters. So it's only up to like new game plus or something like that on a bunch of characters. But I've I've dropped more time in 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 dueling. I'm not a big fan of invading. I, mm-hmm. I like to get invaded, but I'm not a big fan of invading myself. But I really like dueling, like at Pontiff or at uh, the High Wall. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've I've dropped more time in, into dueling than I have um, uh, than I have uh, uh, the standard storyline games on all of my characters. Okay, that makes sense. Something about it being more organized just appeals to you. You think? Um, I think so. Yeah. I, 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 and I, I like fighting games as well. I mean, you know, what brought me to, it's funny, you know, what uh, the first community I reached out to about, you know, dark souls was a fighting community, right. Through mm-hmm. on MMA.tv. So I, I've always been a big fan of, of that sort of one-on-one combat game. And I really like that a bit, uh, uh, quite a bit, but I do have kind of a, a really cool PVP highlight. Can I share that? Sure. Yeah. So right after ashes came out, I got invaded by, and I don't know if I'm going to say his name right, Ouroboro. Is that right? Okay. The streamer yeah. guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and um, I, 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 I'm I, pretty good at, at PvP in, in uh, Dark Souls 3, and, and so I, I, I crushed him. And 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 uh, I mean, like, blanked him. I didn't take any damage. He, he, he obviously lost. And then I, I popped up his stream on Twitch, and uh, all, all of the folks in the, uh, he had streamed that, that he was streaming that, uh, that that fighter and all the mm-hmm. invasions he was doing but all the folks in the lobby were you know calling me a hacker and all that and i was like oh, <laughs> dark souls never change never change i uh i i don't that's one of the reasons that i've kind of fallen out of watching people stream dark souls or at least watching chat is because they're even the popular streamers that are 
good dudes. Like Pete Peverson is a is a really good dude. He seems pr- like a pretty laid back guy. Even his chat will get a little aggressive sometimes. So if I'm watching his stream, I usually just totally ignore the whatever chat is happening because yeah, it's not fun. Yeah, well, I was I, I of course wanted to see what people were saying, and I, I, I oh, had yeah, a good yeah. idea on what on what they would say. But and you know being being you know the mature upstanding adult that I am, I jumped right in and started talking smack. <laughs> Hey, I used to I used to totally stream snipe. Like I would find people, you know, invading in Dark Souls, or find people streaming Dark Souls and try to invade them, and you know, I would do that whole thing. So I can't. I am not innocent of that at all. What was uh, you, you mentioned being kind of in, in like you know consuming all of this extra Dark Souls material when you were playing Dark Souls and Demon Souls? Did you go for those lore videos and was finding that kind of experience, or had you picked up a lot of the story from the games themselves? Yeah, I had picked up a lot of the story from the games themselves and probably, you know, I don't think I got turned on to lore videos until Bloodborne. Um, I'm kind of like I said, I'm, I'm kind of late to the party on all of it mm-hmm. um, and, and took it in different because I, you know, I, I, I work probably about 50 hours a week. My job's kind of demanding. And so I don't, I don't get to play as much as I'd like to or experience it as much as I'd like to. Um so I was late to the to the party about Bloodborne, and I was like, I had, I think I just asked Siri or typed into Google a question about, so what uh, uh, what the hell did the College of Mensis really do? And then I <laughs> I, I, I saw a, a, a Vadi video, and um, and I know it's it's kind of popular right now to, to snipe on Vadi, but you know I, I think the dude does amazing work. He's got an eye for uh, for consumer preference like nobody else in in the community, um, but. Um, uh, he, I saw his Bloodborne, Bloodborne story explained video, and then, and then I got turned on to uh, um, just you know through recommended videos, got turned on to Silvermont, and then mm-hmm. Terra Mantis and Enb, and then um, got fell down the wormhole that is Reddit, right? Um, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, so that that's it. Probably yeah, it probably I probably didn't start looking at the extra content and that's made me re-engage all of these other games like i had skipped dark souls 2 because i bought into the hype of how terrible it was Mm -hmm. and i only recently picked up scholar the first sin because of the community because of the extra content around i was like and i'm I'm not a huge fan it's probably my least favorite souls game but because i get to experience the extra content right like the the bonds the bonfire side chat guys guys like you the the Vadi videos or the Silvermont videos or, or Mitch or JSF, you know, all of their stuff in this additional context, it makes even like the worst of the Souls games a really amazing experience. Yeah, it's it's interesting that people will go out of their way to consume comments content so they can listen to people talk about it. And I'm 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 very much into that. Like I I do if I see some of my favorite people, for instance, the Gary and Cole just started the REM podcast, not to date where we're recording this too much, but, um, I, and I've never been much of an REM guy, but I'm actually listening to an REM record so I can hear these guys talk about it. <laughs> Cause I'm just like, yeah. I like listening to them talk. And it's the same kind of thing with dark souls going out of your way to play the game. So everything that you can see around it, all the memes and all the lore videos and all the jokes will actually make sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, it's, it's funny that, uh, <clears throat> That you, uh, that you mentioned Gary and Cole's additional podcast because they just did uh, the the or Cole just did the podcast on um, Eyes of the Dragon by Stephen King mm-hmm. and um, man I, that was one of my favorite books growing up and I think that's another another reason that I love Dark Souls so much is because to me it overlays with that the sort of uh, mid world 
theme so well of, you know, Kai is a wheel and the, the idea of the cycles. And you, you have he, your protagonist isn't like this mythic being. It's not the mighty Thor. It's, a, it's, it's you know, like in The Gunslinger, it's a guy that gets his his uh, his trigger finger chewed off, you know. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and so it's, uh, you know, uh, almost a, a, a really human protagonist. And then so much is left to the reader's imagination with these slight mentions of things. And it's up to you to build this entire world. And so, you know, that, that sort of Western fantasy ideal, plus the, uh, being a Dungeons and Dragons nerd when I was a teenager, man, that's all, you know, it, it all just really funnels into so this crazy passion for this series. I, I don't want to specifically say what happens at the end of the dark tower series, because I'm sure there's people out there that haven't read it yet or, you know, reading along with radio free Midworld, But, uh, there's something that happens at the very end of that that is so Dark Souls. <laughs> and, yes, exactly. Yeah, and uh, there was a thing. Uh, one of the first podcasts I recorded with Cole, I, I think me and him went back and forth on it a little bit when we weren't recording. I'm like, man, can you? I mean, it's very much just like the the thing. And he's like, yes, yes, absolutely. So <laughs> it's fun. There's definitely a crossover. the The weird mysticism of the Dark Tower really plays well in a in a world like Dark Souls, where it's breaking down very much like the world has moved on and, you know, and the dark tower, you could apply a lot of those same things to dark souls just without all of the crazy machinery and the modern day stuff. You know, we're still kind of stuck back in fantasy land. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's amazing how, how much those two stories can, can overlap. Those two totally different worlds can overlap. Yeah. And I mean, even like the, the, the piece about time is convoluted, right. You know, you think about in, um, uh, in in in, episode, in 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 parts of the Dark Tower, when certain uh, elements from quote unquote modern day, but I guess it would have been like the late '80s or early '90s, fall into Midworld, or you know, I mean, the whole uh, the whole Solar spiel really is, is is there's a whole lot of you know, time is convoluted. Heroes from the past are phasing in and out, and things like that. I mean, that's that's really cool about how the, how it aligns with the whole Dark Tower piece. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about Bloodborne because if Bloodborne is your favorite game in the series, I'm gonna I'm gonna spend a lot of time on it. Where uh, were you? One of the people that bought Bloodborne as a $500 video game? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I went I ahead and invested in the PS4 plus Bloodborne. <laughs> yes, I, I bought a PS4 just for Bloodborne, and it, it was you know it was one of the best decisions I've made in my adult life. Happy to say that. <laughs> it's it's just that good of a game, and you know the PS4 is okay too. <laughs> yeah, the PS4 is except for my wife and I. We, when we got the PS4, we cut the cord. We just we we just use the the Netflix and Hulu and Voodoo apps and and mm-hmm. play video games and that's it. Bloodborne was probably the first new Souls game that you got to experience, like be a part of the the expectation of the build up and the marketing. What was your were you watching trailers? Were you consuming everything, or did you just see it and say, "Yep, I know I'm going to buy that," so I don't need to see anything more of it? I saw a couple of the trailers, um, you know, the whole Project Beast leak and all of that, and. Um, yeah, but then I didn't. I didn't want to spoil much for myself. But you know, obviously the the, the amazing twist they put into it the, the, that wasn't spoiled by any. It, it, I thought it was so cool how the community managed to hold the secret. I mean, because you know, obviously people day one bought it and 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 uh, and 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 played through you know within twenty four hours or what have you. And I, I thought it was really awesome how the community managed to keep this twist held back. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't really like on Twitter or on YouTube. Everyone seemed very circumspect about talking about anything, and Sony did just an amazing job of 
not putting that out there of letting people experience the first part of the game and make the assumption that it was just going to stay kind of gothic horror without making that hard left into, you know, Lovecraftian nightmare alien creatures. So like I, just a huge amount of respect for Sony and the marketing campaigns. Like they're doing the same thing with Neo right now. It's a game I haven't really played, but apparently it has some pretty early game. I don't want to say twist, but like it goes in a direction that you wouldn't expect if you just looked at, you know, just Samurai Boy on the cover or whatever. So, mm-hmm. and again, that's a Sony published game. So they're doing, they just do a, such a bang up job with that stuff of making sure that you can, ex- you want to play the game, but also that you can experience playing the game for the first time by yourself. Yeah, exactly. And then again, speaking to the quality of the, of the larger community, you know, um, of just the, how folks still to this day don't want to say, uh, you know, like, like, again, speaking of the quality community, dude, you just, you just refuse to give a spoiler for a book that's over 10 years old, <laughs> yeah, you <well>. know? <laughs> and, and so that's so awesome because we, we value that first experience. I mean, the first time that, that, that you see these sort of, these sort of amazing vistas or, you know, what's the Lovecraftian term, these cyclopean vistas or what have you, mm-hmm. you know? And so we don't want to rob anyone else of it. So I, I think it also kind of speaks really, really, it's a pretty cool truth about the quality of the community that souls has has fostered. It's really interesting, right? Like I don't want to do that because I know for a fact people are reading along with that radio free middle world show and I don't want it to ruin that, that experience. And I'm also, you can watch this happen too. If you, if you kind of frequent any forums or like slacks or what have you that talk about dark souls a lot, there'll be detailed conversations about mechanics and bosses and in game stuff. And then someone will chime in with, Hey, I'm playing through the first time. and I just got to Capra and then immediately everybody in chat. And I've seen this like over from something awful. I've seen this on the duck feed slack. I've seen this and uh, on Twitter immediately, like all spoilers are off the table, right? People will just start talking. Okay. Well, you want, you want to find this, but I don't want to tell you what's over there. So just go this direction and tell, tell us what happens. <laughs> It's really That's interesting awesome. that, that people like just will be so circumspect about it just to, for, to preserve that, you know, that experience for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of like a, uh, something that, I mean, we're, we, we can both agree that we're in, in turbulent times and it's cool to see that in something that's in a, uh, uh, in, in something that's so trivial as a video game, see those really cool little redemptive parts of humanity, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's you nice see what that I did there with humanity. As well. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's nice that people can actually be you know good people every once in a while and not just assholes on the internet. Yeah, exactly. What was it like actually playing uh, Bloodborne since it's such a departure from the main series? It blew my mind. I I, I think it's a triumph of medium, right? I mean, you know, it's and, and Bloodborne is what made me go back and learn more about Miyazaki as well, you know, and. Um, like the whole thing about reading uh, Western fantasy novels and only understanding like every three or four words and then mm-hmm. having to make up the story. And said, I mean, and it, and so it gave me this whole other, uh, and it, it, it's, it's what opened me up to the community. So, I mean, I, I that may be one reason that it's my favorite as well, because it, it opened me up to the community and allowed me to see, wow, man, there are other people that are as, as fascinated or obsessed with this as I am right now. <laughs> but I mean, just mechanically, I thought it was brilliant. The art direction was world class, world class stuff. And and then, I mean, just the the vision on and the twist. And I mean, are, are we past the spoiler wall? You know? Can oh we, yeah, can we talk yeah, about that. Absolutely. Yeah, go ahead and get right into it. I expect, so, and, I, and I've said this before, but if you haven't played Bloodborne, like, put this podcast down and go play Bloodborne. <laughs> what yeah, are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
exactly. But you know, the the moment um the moment that, that I saw uh uh that I went to uh Bergenworth and I saw the the, the guys that were insects, uh I forget what the, the uh, Garden of Eyes is Garden that what they're of called. Eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was like, Holy shnikes, man, this has completely changed. There's something different now. And then you see Master Willem with all the 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 fungus growing off of him and everything. And it's just like, man, you, you get the, uh, uh, the mollusk shell. I forget what it's, uh, the, uh, oh, that anyway, I don't the, remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the shell that puts the, the arcane on your weapon. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Um, it doesn't matter. Let's just, I don't, I, I can't remember the name of it right off. Hand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But so, so, and then it's, it, and you're like, wait a minute, because th- there was nothing about magic up to that point. I don't think, um, I mean, there was, cause you go from, this the shadows of yarnum and shadows of yarnum kind of start towing that line but it's still more in that gothic horror vein mm-hmm. and then and even like with the 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 guys with the the that, that have snakes sprout out of their head and stuff it's still it starts drifting a little bit further into that cosmic vein but then i mean bergenworth blew my mind i i i don't know what to say other than it, it left me speechless it was it was exceptional an exceptional swerve for such a small area too. I mean, leading up to one of the biggest, what the fuck moments in across the souls games, like we're leading up to that giant, you know, weird spider thing that you've, if you've been kind of following along and you've been paying attention, like you've heard a little bit about before. So, and then man, just that, that ending when the, the moon comes down and everything gets crazy. And then all of a sudden you're in, um, uh, Yahar Ghoul, like that's, whoa, where does that come from? (laughs) That twist is just amazing. Exactly. And then like just the little subtle details, right? Like the, you know, how you get, uh, uh, you get attacked by the member of the choir, uh, the choir hunter, I forget their name in, um, in, in Bergen. Mm-hmm. And you're like, it, it, you know, just a typical video game. You're like, oh, okay, here's another enemy. That's kind of tough. It's kind of like a, a mini boss, what have you. But then you realize, well, wait a minute, they were the, the, that has direct ramifications to the story. And that was something that in turn made me go back and think about other appre- uh, appreciations for previous games, right? You know, like why, why was why was uh, Oswald right after the, uh, uh, the the gargoyles in Dark Souls One? You know, is it is it just a game function or is it is there something there? You know, did I say his name right? Is it Oswald, the the, the priest of Velka? Mm-hmm. You got okay. It. Mm-hmm. But so um, yeah, I mean, and so again, I. That, that may be why Bloodborne outside of it just being an amazing game is my favorite because it gave me a whole new context and appreciation for all of the previous games and it allowed me to kind of revisit the the previous games in a way that I hadn't before so it was all it almost gave me new games out of out, out of these other ones yeah that's uh it's just a phenomenal game through and through if especially if you like the chalice dungeons which most people consider a, a black mark on that game I consider a very super experimental and positive thing like that's just it's, it's they're so fun even if even when they're bad even when they don't go anywhere and you have a dead end like especially if you're co-oping it it's a lot of fun to play yeah and i think it was one of the guys from the twin humanities i, I think that was who it was that said it they, they just said you know here's the thing about bloodborne it gives you more bloodborne and so <laughs> you know that that that's uh, that, i love that about it you know and, and it's it's something that gives uh you know and, and i i grew up on crappy really hard 8-bit video games you know I, I i literally the day that legend of zelda came out in the little gold nintendo cartridge you know that that mm-hmm. was that blew my mind right you know back then and 
So the idea of going back into an area just for the sake of playing it over again, I'm comfortable with that. I don't feel that to be a waste of my time or an insult and, or, um, you know, I, I, I love the chalice dungeons in the right context. Sure. Yeah. And it's, it's a bummer because the, the, the things that Bloodborne gets wrong, which is its loot system, is kind of what the Chalice Dungeons hinge upon. And all you're do, all you're ever going to collect in a Chalice Dungeon are more stuff to make Chalice Dungeons. And you know, maybe some upgrade materials, and maybe the odd. Um, it's not a medallion. What do they call those things that you equip? The the medals. The, the blood gems. Yeah, the blood. Not well. No, not the blood gems. The um. The ones that you uh, affix to your weapon. No, the ones that you like go equip with the uh, the runes. There you go. <clears throat> oh yeah. And that's really all you're going to get from a chalice dungeon. But even without that that loot, you know, carrot at the end of a stick, I'm still way into them. So yeah, it's fun. What did you think about the DLC? I always like to have a good love fest in the DLC if we can. Oh, geez, it, yeah. I mean, it's it, it was amazing. It was amazing. I, I I loved how it improved on the story. I thought that it did make some parts of the Bloodborne story a little redundant. Mm-hmm. Like I, I I don't I. Even though I love the Chalice Dungeons, I don't need them. I don't need the idea of the Thumerians and all of that if I have the DLC. So I felt it was a little, it, you know, there were some things if I look at it under the magnifying glass that don't align perfectly for me. But outside, you know, outside of super nitpicky stuff, it, it, it's a brilliant experience. I, w- I would buy that as a standalone game. It's so good. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I wouldn't have, like, if people tell me, well, you know, I. I've played Bloodborne, but I haven't. I don't have the DLC yet. I'm like, okay, I will buy you the DLC. I don't know why you're why you're not doing this. You should totally buy the DLC immediately because <laughs> yeah. everybody needs a chance to play it. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, God, what's the? I can't believe I'm uh, Ludwig. I mean, the the whole Ludwig scene, oh, the, the cut scene in the middle of, of the fight. That's you know, my my wife's a filmmaker, and you know, she's always talking about getting authenticity. And I, again, I'm coming back to authenticity, authenticity in a scene, you know, something where, you know, like, uh, my favorite actor is Daniel day Lewis, because I, when I, when I see Daniel day Lewis, he's not Daniel day Lewis being something he's that character. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, it, that, that Ludwig scene completely, it, it shattered any barriers. You know, the screen was not a barrier the, the, there was a real emotional attachment. And I mean, Think about that. Think about, you know, when Pac-Man came around that if we who would have thought that video games were able to extract this sort of emotional connection from 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 real life people. It's it's just amazing to me. It's it's mind boggling. And especially because if you had been paying attention to the series up to that point, the Moonlight Greatsword being just such a huge fixture in all of these games, it, even back to Armored Core, where that sword originally came from. And then for all of a sudden him to just whip it out of the middle of a fight, and you're like, holy shit, what just happened? What is this? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One of my exactly. favorite reveals of all time. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then just and and uh, Cole and Gary talk about this a lot, but I mean, I love how so much in uh, in Dark Souls has that quiet dignity. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's in Bloodborne or Dark Souls, or even like uh, the Astraya, who's one of my favorite boss. You know, even though Gal Vinland's really the boss, right? But um, Maiden Astraya has that quiet dignity. You know that that um, it, it's it's all going to hell around me, but the I don't have to go to hell with it, sort of thing. And and it, it's. Uh, the raging against the dying of the light or what have you, you know, there's so much of that quiet dignity that's in souls. That's, 
I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I'm pouring tons of sugar on it. Right. But it's, mm-hmm. it's that, uh, um, I don't know, man, it, it's romantic. It's, 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 it's everything that good literature or good art wants to be. It's, it, it's just amazing art all the way across the board, whether you think about music or you think about a painting or a sculpture or dance or movies or what have you, it's, it's, it's art. Where are you at on the dark souls three then? If, uh, Having played all of these games pretty much through, through the order, and then having such having Dark Souls three be such a not in terms of mechanics, but in terms of story, be such lean upon Dark Souls one so hard, and especially coming from Bloodborne, which is its own self contained story. Where, where did you end up on on Dark Souls three? I think I'm in the minority. I like Dark Souls three. Mm-hmm. I do. Um, a, it's a slicker presentation, right? It's it's smoother all the way around. Um, the, the combat, the combat leans more on Bloodborne, which I think is the best combat in the series. And I know, you know, the people will tell me to get good and, and, and all of that good stuff. But I, I think it's, I think it's the best combat in the series and, um, Dark Souls three built on that in a really interesting way. Mm -hmm. Um, as far as the story goes, I, I like it, man. I mean, it's the only, it's kind of like mass effect three, right? It's the only place that we could end back. This is the only way we could end this is, is we're back here again. This is, we, we go back to where it started. It's, it's, you know, it's again, kind of thinking about, right. Like the, uh, the dark tower trilogy, you know, I mean, you had people that, that were hating on that because, or the, the, uh, uh, you had the, the, or what have you right mm-hmm. you know so um th- this is the only this is the only place we can end this is back is back where it started so i didn't like soul ascender as a boss but um uh, just because he was kind of meaningless but other than that I, I i thought it was i thought it was really well done across the board yeah it's it's good i I couldn't help but be disappointed by the endings that they offered because they seem such a retread and don't really seem to if this was going to be the last Souls game, I I very much wanted it to be like let's give us an option to get out of the cycle, right? To to break everything and even the usurp the throne ending. If you go through the Lord of the Hollows thing, even that seems like it doesn't actually do anything different than anything else. So it's I, I'm hoping that um you know the in, the DLC the next DLC pack comes out I think at the end of next month and I'm hopefully oh. I'm hoping that we get like a a, a Dark Souls Two style like reimagining of the ending because the last DLC for Dark Souls Two introduced a wholly new ending to that game where you could just walk away, which is you know really cool. Like that's a, that's kind of where I want this game to go is to give me those kind of options to just break out of it entirely. Especially again, if it's going to be the last game, there's no point in setting up any more cycles where Dark Souls Four or Five or anything like that. Yeah, well, I, I think it's probably going to be like a a citadel uh, dlc for uh, mass effect 3 mm-hmm. where if you play if you played the citadel dlc that was really your ending right you know that that was really the the, the conclusion that you emotionally needed and wanted at, le- at least for me um, um and so I, i'm i think that it'll probably give i'm hoping it'll give some context to the other to, to the endings mm-hmm. um you know uh but i i i, I I'm sure people are going to be salty about it, you know. Um, well, people, it's it's but, Dark Souls. People are going to be salty no matter what you do. Like that's just yeah, going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> you can't you can't get over that at all. <laughs> yeah, but I, I I I I don't know, man. Maybe I'm too hard of a fanboy, but I have confidence that they're not gonna they're not gonna let it die with a whimper. You know, there's gonna be you're, we're, we're gonna have such. This is the this is the magnum opus. This is the end, right? You know, mm-hmm. and so. Um, but even 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 if we didn't have that, I would still be happy, right? Because I mean, 
you know, if you think about it, it started with a whimper as well, right? We were some cast aside undead that was thrown into this, um, that was thrown into this asylum to rot away, you know, and it, 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 it would be a really cool parallel. I, I might enjoy it a little less. I might, you know, um, enjoy it, uh, um, you know, thinking about it and, and uh, looking back on it, be like, yeah, that was a really cool way to do it. Um, but it may not be as fun mechanically or playthrough. But if it ended on on the whimper, man, that that it would make sense because it started on a whimper as well. That's true. <clears throat> With that in mind, where where would you like to see them go next? Like if they've got these you know three projects that they've supposed to be cooking up for the last year, it seems like, and no real announcements besides one of them is probably a armored core uh, game. Um, where where would what do you want to see from from next? Um. So I know everybody says space souls. Yeah. Um, Sci-fi souls. I, right. Yeah. I was, I was kind of going a different thought. I was thinking maybe something like along like a, like a red dead redemption souls. Um, you know, maybe as like a, um, uh, a, a member of a native American tribe or something like that. I know that it's, that's highly improbable, but I was, I, I started thinking, you know, I've been having listened to your podcast for some time when, when you ask everyone this, I, I start thinking about it. I'm like, man, I don't know because just right now they've got the Midas touch, right? Everything they touch is really brilliant. Um, of course that, that end, that, that, you know, that way will crash for any developer. But, um, but you know, I can also, I mean, I could do more dark souls. I could do more bloodborne. I don't care if it's a sequel, give me more of that. I'm, you, you can have my money because I, I get hundreds of hours out of it and I enjoy it immensely. Um, I, ultimately I don't set the bar real high for these, uh, for these, because it is, it's, it's just a video game and that allows my, my expectations to be constantly surpassed. So, um, I think that's, that regard, that's the key part to that of saying, um, you know, this is just a video game. And the, the only difficulty with that is dark souls one very specifically was more than a video game. <laughs> like it started yeah. these huge, like weird industries, people are writing books about it. Like it, even within five years of its release, it has all of this material, which usually would take something 20 or 30 years to get that kind of critical view on something looking back. So this it's, it is diff- it's been difficult to readjust my expectations for new souls games. And this is what I did for the last DLC for dark souls three of saying, I know I'm going to play this. I'm going to play it several times. The mechanics are going to be solid. Like the rest of it, you can just kind of turn your mind off of it. And if it happens to be good, then you'll be rewarded. And if it doesn't, then, Oh, well, you know, that is, you still got a good, good experience out of it. So, yeah. And I, I hate to keep referencing the, the bonfire side chat guys, but you know, I mean, they're, they're pretty seminal figures in the community, mm-hmm. but as part of, you know, um, I've been going back through and listening to the first season and the stuff that it's so, uh, it's so interesting. The stuff that they're pouring sugar all, all over in dark souls one are things that annoy them in dark souls three. And it, it's, it's, and, and I understand, I mean, this is the, the, they, they peel back the layers of the onion and they go in, but it's interesting how we expect it to continually raise the bar without putting in context that, you know, it, it's still literally best in class. Absolutely. It's, and, I, and you know, I listen to, I, I talk a lot with Gary, um, and less so with Cole, but I do talk with Cole from time to time. And it's, I think part of the problem is it leans so heavily on that old stuff without doing anything really interesting with it, that it's something where you can, you can really, really enjoy the original and be disappointed that the, that the sequel doesn't have 
doesn't live up to the same same amount. Like not even it doesn't try to do anything. Well, and see, I'm sounding like I'm bagging on Dark Souls three too much, and I don't want to do that because it's a great game. I, I have like 200 hours in it. I still play it every once in a while. <laughs> like I don't want to make it seem like it's a bad game, but you know, some of the story stuff, especially when they lean on, you know, the. I always go back to this as being a good example. Why have Andre in the game if you're not going to do anything with him? Like, why not introduce me to a new character and tell a new story? And if you're going to put Andre in Firelink Shrine, then make him do something that would relate to his story or give him some sort of backstory, make him a, a more interesting NPC. But instead, he he's basically a messenger boy. <laughs> his one his one thing to do is be a messenger boy for another NPC, and the rest of the time he's just a blacksmith. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. But I think what it also did was it gave the opportunity to create a whole new rank and file of, uh, of Dark Souls fans, um, you know, because then the folks that, you know, their first experience with, uh, with it may have been on the current generation of systems that now go back and look at Scholar or look at uh, look at uh, Dark Souls one. And it gives them a connect an emotional connection backwards as well. Yeah, that's that's been really interesting to hear. And I've I've talked to several people who have done that, played Dark Souls 3 first and then gone to Dark Souls 1 and been like, whoa, <laughs> it's all my old friends again and had, that, and had that experience with it, which I think is fascinating. It's not something that I particularly would want to do because I, I cherish that Dark Souls 1 playthrough so much. But yeah, I can mm-hmm. I can definitely see it being an interesting concept. Heath, thank you very much for, for guesting and for spending some time with me this morning. I very much appreciate it. Can you tell everyone where they can find you on the internet? Yeah, I'm I'm not crazy active on the internet. I'm I'm a I'm a boring old guy, so they can find me on LinkedIn under Heath Tull. Uh, um, it's Heath like the candy bar and Tull like Jethro. Um, you were I'm the first Twitter. person to say uh, to give us a LinkedIn account. <laughs> this yeah, is episode like sixty. I don't even know how many I've recorded now. Let me I, let me look it up because I want to be very very sure <laughs> when the first LinkedIn <laughs> thing is. Not not to make fun of you or anything. It's just funny that it's no, never it's, come it's, up. It's, 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 worthy of being made fun of yeah this is episode 68 that i'm recording right now and (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i'm I'm a a boring old guy so that's um on twitter and instagram i'm just there to stalk my favorite content creators like uh i follow you and you know gary and cole and body and uh alex and mitchell and all of those those folks on twitter but i mean if you want to follow an account that never tweets i'm at atx heath and then on Insta, I'm Heath underscore N underscore ATX. And then if you just search my name on Facebook, Heath Tall, you can find me there. Cool. Um, can I plug some of the music projects that, I, that I've worked with? 100%. If, uh, and awesome. I do this for most, usually it's actual musicians, but um, if you want me to include anything at the end where I would normally drop in the Demon Souls music, just let me know and I'll, I'll put that, just give me a copy of it. And I'll put it at the end of the show. Okay, awesome. So, um, GarenMusic.com, that's my business partner, Tim Garen. He's a Grammy-nominated producer. He's worked with everybody from Frank Sinatra to uh, to David Bowie. He has some of the most amazing stories ever. Sometimes we just sit around Indian style and you know tell us a bedtime story, Tim. Um, but GarenMusic.com, um, an act that I was – or a music act that I was a part of up until last year, uh, we were nominated by um, – Readers of the Austin Chronicle is one of the top uh, electronic acts in Austin uh, is TexasMicrophoneMassacre.com. And then uh, another artist that I'm currently songwriting for and producing is BarbieDeFacto.com. I am making notes of all of those. And yeah, just um, after, just send me an email with the, whatever you want me to include at the end and I'll, you know, I'll make a reference to it and then put it, put it back, put it in there for you. 
Awesome, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. It's not terrible. I promise. It's really good quality stuff. It's, hey, look, man. I'll put it, even terrible music in there. I'm not worried about it. I just wouldn't <laughs> tell you. I just wouldn't tell you to your face that it's terrible because I'm not mean like that. <laughs> um, well, as always, I appreciate the feedback. That's <laughs> yeah, true, right? Especially <laughs> that's that's one thing that I always get into with these with doing podcasts and things is um, like people are generally too nice to give you honest feedback. So you kind of have to go outside your circle of friends because they don't want they don't want to be they don't want to say like no. That bit just totally didn't work, and you should take it out of the pot of the thing entirely. So, <clears throat> as always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You can find this podcast on Twitter at DGUS Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. The best place to go for links and for the show is don'tgiveupskeleton.com. That has links to our Instagram feed where I put previews of the episode up. So if you have a short attention span like me, you can listen to a 30-second podcast. You can also check us out on Facebook and all that. And all of that's on don'tgiveupskeleton.com. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you can, leave me an I, I I can't talk today. If you can, give me an iTunes review. It really helps you know, spread the word of the show, and I would very much appreciate it. And as always, remember, don't give up skeleton. Into and patience. Awesome.